0: After we are born again, by God revealing himself to us, by his spirit, the word of God is everything to us. It's like that pearl of great price that Jesus spoke of, where a man discovered it and sold everything and went and purchased it. Literally, it becomes everything to us, the word of God, the word brought by God. I've had the word brought by God come to me through scriptures, reminded that the Holy Spirit is brought to my memory, or I've had it come through dreams, and I've had the Holy Spirit bring me concepts, which I knew to be the Word of God. Even as a brand new Christian in 1975, I was dealing with an issue, and God by His Spirit brought me an instruction And when I heard it, I heard it in the form of a thought brought to my mind, somehow I knew it was God, although I didn't know anything at that time about the Spirit of God or following the Spirit of God. But I knew that was God telling me what to do. At that time, I owned a small business in Dallas, Texas, and a woman thought she saw a way to get money from me so she filed a lawsuit against me God said to me at least I believed it was the Spirit of God at the time I heard it don't testify a woman who worked for me at the time witnessed the situation and she would testify in the trial but God told me don't testify so When she found out about my not testifying, she was angry with me. And she said, now all of the burden is on me. And I said, well, I don't mean it to be that way, but I believe God has told me not to testify, so I can't testify. I told my lawyer he might not like to represent me because I believed God told me Don't testify. He said, Oh no, I'll represent you, he said Flo's testimony will be enough for us to win the case. The man I was dating at that time was said to me, Joan, you aren't doing this girl any favor by not testifying, and I said to him, I'm not trying to do this girl any favor. I believe I've heard from God not to testify. We got to court, and the lawyer said to me, Flo's testimony didn't go as well as I thought it would. If you would testify, I know we will win this case. I said, well, I'll see. And I went in the restroom, and I asked God again, what do you want me to do? And I heard, don't testify. So I went back in the courtroom and just shook my head no. We won the case. But the main thing to me was... It was teaching me to follow God. The Holy Spirit might bring you a concept of something that's going to happen or something for you to do. That's as much the Word of God as a scripture. If God spoke it, it's the Word of God, whether it comes in the form of a scripture or a thought or whether it comes in the form of a dream. It's the Word of God if God spoke it. So we have to discern it and obey it. I was injured in in 2018. I fell at my house when I was 81 years old, broke a hip. As the ambulance workers were taking me out my front door on a gurney, I very clearly heard in the form of a thought, you'll never see this house again. It didn't trouble me. By that time, I'd had a lot of experience with God, and things always worked out well when I followed God, even if they looked like they weren't going to. So it didn't trouble me. I put the house up for sale immediately. A woman in our own church group said to me, I don't see how you can do this, putting the house up for sale. And I said, well, I've heard from God. You'll never see this house again. So I put it up for sale. For a year and a half, the house did not sell, and I would become disturbed over the house not selling, or we had people offer to buy the house and then back out of their offer, and it was disappointing. But God had given me that word that you'll never see this house again, so I was sure I was praying according to the will of God when I prayed for the house to sell. But this was an endurance. It was about a year and a half of endurance as I saw various people offer, make an offer on the house and then back out. It's very hard to see that. I didn't actually need the money. But it was a close call because we were having to spend about $500 a month, every month, for utilities, lawn care, and water. Well, water is one of the utilities. Utilities and lawn care and insurance is what I meant to say. We did not have to pay taxes on it because the house was owned by the ministry and was tax-exempt. A woman wanted to rent the house. But I said to her, no, I I think if I rented the house, it would put me in a different tax bracket with the city of Lubbock, and I would be charged property taxes if I made an income from the house. So I, I don't want to do that. So the house did not sell for a year and a half. But along the way, God gave me a word. In March of 2019, the house had been up for sale about three months, and God gave me an open vision. And in this vision, I saw a man driving his car along the north side of the house, and he stopped and looked at the house, and then he drove past it. But he stopped at the alley and backed his car up and looked again. I felt God was showing me that someone would stop and look at the house and seriously consider buying it, but pass it by and then back his car up later and buy the house, change his mind. That's exactly what ended up happening. Now, that was an open vision. It wasn't a dream, it was an open vision. But it doesn't matter what comes how it comes to us the word of God if it is the word of God it will happen that's exactly what happened at the end in I think it was the end of March 2020 right in the peak of that coronavirus I turned to God and I said what do you do want me to do is you want me to do anything with that house in Texas that hasn't sold is there anything you want me to do We're right in the midst of this virus. And I had the concept brought to my mind. Lower the price of the house for one week and put it on a special sale price. I told my realtor she lowered the price of the house, and the house sold within two days. But then the owners backed out. I mean, the ones that ended up being the owners, they backed out of the deal. Then a few days later, they came back and said they wanted the house. It was exactly like that open vision where, they, where the man looked at the house, but he drove past it, stopped in the alley, backed up, and just couldn't pass it by. The house closed, and the money was uh, delivered to our ministry bank account by the mortgage company on May 15, 2020 right in the midst of this coronavirus. It just seemed like such a miracle to me. The Word of God will come to pass. When the Word is truly of God, it will come to pass. But some people interpret things wrongly. They interpret Scripture wrongly. And they set up things in the church itself by the letter of the law instead of by the Spirit of God. So we have that happening. There are many ways that the Word of God gets destroyed in our lives in the sense of casting it away a devil will come almost immediately after you receive a word of God it's not at all unusual for a devil to bring you the opposite information God tells you to do one thing the devil comes and brings something else to your mind exactly opposite often our flesh wants to follow the thing the devil has said that's not at all unusual There was a woman in our church group who her adult age son had divorced and then he was going to remarry, and she wanted to go to the wedding. Uh, She thought it was okay for her to go to the wedding. She had had differences. She thought maybe she shouldn't go, then she thought it was okay to go, then she thought she shouldn't go, and she thought it was okay to go. She ended up going to the wedding. She got there. It was a wedding, I think, in the home of her eldest daughter is where it was held. But she just couldn't stand being around the people. When they spoke, it disturbed her, and she spent most of her time upstairs hiding out. She's not even with us today in our church group. I think she followed the seducing spirit and left us. So you have to cling to that word very strongly that you believe to be from God. Let's look at that Pearl of Great Price parable. Matthew 13. We'll start at verse 44. Again the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, says Jesus. The which, when a man hath found, he hideth, And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. This man found the treasure in a field. He hid that treasure in the field. He went out and sold everything because that treasure meant more to him than anything else. And that is the way the word of God has to be to us. It has to mean more to us than success on this earth, approval of men, looking good in the sight of other humans. It has to mean everything to us. That's exactly what the word of God has to be in our lives. Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And to us, that's what the Word of God is. It is so important that it's the only thing that we cling to. I've seen a great many people saved, born again, because I wouldn't give in. I'm not an evangelist. I'm an apostle prophet. But holding on to that Word of God, I have seen my mother saved, my father saved, my uncle saved. I've seen several... Examples of basic salvation because I absolutely would not give in, held on to the word of God and kept speaking the word of God. So it's everything. It's everything to me, to my salvation and the salvation of those who are around me. But some church people see scriptures by their natural mind and they're always a little off. It's like A radio where you try to tune in a radio station and it crackles and pops and it's always a little off. The Apostle Paul said, God hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Fleshly men often take the scriptures and read them by their own fleshly thinking, having not the spirit, and set up doctrines by their own thinking. A primary example of that in the churches today is what they're calling communion, the Lord's Supper, where they give out crackers and grape juice. Crackers and grape juice have nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is eating and drinking the word of God. Paul says, examine yourself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Back before I was born again, I would attend church with my aunt, who was Church Christ, and they would pass the crackers and grape juice down the aisle, and somebody must have instructed me that I couldn't partake of it. And I heard that, I knew this scripture that let a man examine himself. I didn't know how you examined yourself to see if you were worthy to eat that cracker and drink that grape juice. I was baptized in water before I was born again and then I was rebaptized after I was born again. Before I was born again, I'd been baptized in water when I was about 15. They'd bring that communion tray down the aisle and I always dreaded it. I always thought I don't know if I if I'm worthy to partake of this and I knew Paul said examine yourself. And how do I know if I'm worthy to eat that cracker and drink that ju- grape juice? And it scared me. Later, God showed me by his spirit. That's not at all what Paul was talking about. Here's what Paul was saying. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight: 28. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat that bread, those scriptures, examining himself. Examine yourself as you read the Bible. That is the Lord's Supper. Crackers and grape juice have absolutely no power, but the Word of God has great power when we properly apply it to our lives. Another thing the Church of Christ group did is they forbade the use of instrumental music in the church because of the following scripture. Ephesians 5.19 speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So they set it up that you couldn't have instrumental music in the church. That is a primary example of humans setting up doctrines by fleshly views of the scripture without having the spirit. That has absolutely nothing to do with instrumental music. For you can sing and make melody in your heart without ever producing a sound by your mouth. You can sit there right now and think of the hymn, Abide With Me. You don't have to sing it. You can kind of have it in your heart. Instrumental music, what I think they're saying in, in Ephesians 5, 19, is through your heart rejoice whether it's with instruments or whether it's without instruments, makes no difference. But you can take these scriptures wrongly and make up doctrines. There have been some church groups in the past that required women to wear a hat or a head covering, a scarf or something like that as they entered the church building. And some religious groups think men have to wear some type of covering on their heads. Here's what the Bible teaches for the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians 11 Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman, woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. What's he talking about? What's Paul talking about? He goes on and tells us, For that is even as one as if she were shaven. It's cutting off your hair hair as a woman to look like a man. That's what he's talking about. He goes on even to say this, If a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So that's what this is talking about. Now, I don't think we can take letter of the law to this in the sense that my hair is longer than your hair and all that nonsense. But I wouldn't want to shave my head like a man. God forbid that you would have cancer or anything and lose your hair, but if that should happen, back in the 60s, they used to wear wigs. I think it is a shame for women to have hair that looks like a man. Somehow it just, Paul says, does not even nature teach you that? That if a man have long hair, it's a shame to him. And if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her. In World War II, we saw the Nazis shaming. I mean, we saw the uh, uh, French when they came in and took back the occupied lands from the Nazis. They took the women who collaborated with the Nazis in Paris and shaved their heads because it's a shame for women to have those heads shorn. That fits the Bible. Lots of things fit the Bible 40 years ago that don't uh, they do differently today, but that doesn't mean the Bible changed. The Bible didn't change. It stayed. The Word of God endures forever, but society itself does things that are just terrible. 40 years ago, you wouldn't have had women... And men living together and flaunting this sexual sins in front of our face. Like we see today. Today they almost take pride in doing it. That just shows us that we are drawing nearer to the coming of Jesus. For the coming of Jesus to take the church out. The believing church. The ones who obey the scriptures and the word of God. Coming to take the church out and the wrath of God coming upon this world in the form of the great tribulation. I think this coronavirus that we have seen in 2020 enlightens us in so many ways and lets us feel much closer to some of the things that the Bible tells us are going to happen on this earth in the last days. If you want to read that, go to Revelation chapter Eight and read through verse 16 for it tells you exactly what's going to happen in the last days in the great tribulation. Another scripture which uh, I believe is greatly misused in the church is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul said, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak But they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the churches. I will share with you what I believe God showed me about this. He said to me, Look and see what these women were doing. And when I looked at it, by verse 35 of First Corinthians 14, I saw they were interrupting the church service with questions, drawing attention to themselves with questions. I've seen women do this before. I believe that's what Paul's talking about. God also said to me, Philip had four daughters who were prophets. Prophecy is for the church. They had to speak in the church to deliver the prophecies. But now, if you speak in the church, both men and women, it has to be decently and in order. I believe it's wrong for a woman to interrupt the gathering of the church. I I just never have done that. Let all things be done decently and in order, says Paul. I think I can give you an example of this. When I attended Word of Faith Church uh, outside Dallas, our Bible teacher would always say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And at that point, we were free to speak Word of Knowledge, Word of Wisdom, Prophecy. We were free to share with the group. Now, I never heard the pastor say that at the 11 o'clock service. But God never gave me a word at the 11 o'clock service to speak. That was so interesting. I always had a word at the Bible class. And I believe the reason for that is certainly God knew the pastor was not going to make any opening for us to present the word, so he wasn't going to tempt me by giving me a word when I wouldn't be able to speak that word. I think that's what happened. But the Bible class teacher that at the 10 o'clock meeting always said does anyone have a word from the Lord and I think to present it in that situation is proper sins are never right for the church first Corinthians chapter 6 Paul says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God be not deceived Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, I think that means homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now we did some of these things before we were born again, but after we are born again, it's like the woman taken in adultery. Jesus said he didn't condemn her, but he said, go and sin no more. And why do we want to sin? We wouldn't. If we're born again, we don't want to do those things that we once did. They are, we see them as being shameful, unprofitable, and shameful. And which of us would want to return to the way we would acted before we were born again? None of us want to. Some in the end time will leave. Some will depart from the word of God. We know that because Jesus explains that to us in Matthew 24. Because the iniquity is so bad, the word of God will grow cold inside them and they will leave. That's in Matthew 24. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I believe that's the word, the love of the word of God will grow cold. So we have to keep that fire burning in us. And how do we do that? I think we call on God in prayer when we feel ourselves drifting. And that we just pray and say, oh, please don't let me do that. Please help me to be pulled back to that love that first love that I had when I was born again. Please help me. I've done that. I mean, I've prayed that. I have felt I was just kind of growing a little bit cold, and I've just prayed, and God has always pulled me back. I think that can happen to us. I know we can be pulled away by cares of this world, deceitful of riches, lust of other things, because the Apostle John said that. But we can pray and God will pull us back. If we really want to be pulled back, we can pray. Please don't let me do that. Please don't let me say that. Please don't let that happen to me. God has always honored it when I've prayed that. And I have prayed it many times. But today the people committing these sins, people in churches even, committing these sins of fornication and adultery, many preachers are doing it. And they get caught and then they're ashamed because they got caught. But we see them go right back and do it again. Now that's a serious, serious matter. They just, we read in the Bible that in the great tribulation all of these great horrible things will come upon the earth but they do not, they will not repent. Even with all the Things coming from God upon the earth, they fail to repent of their wickedness. They have no shame. Paul said, "Abstain from all appearance of evil." First Thessalonians 5:22. When I was building the house in Lubbock in uh, 2002, I think it was. I lived in a little house. Um, that I had bought until we could finish building the house. My contractor told me I could put the house up for sale. I put it up for sale in July and it sold and my house wasn't finished. At that time I was engaged to a man and we were planning to marry in September and this was about July. My Church of Christ relative said "Go go ahead and move in with him. That's fine. And Howard said, come on and just live with me. But I didn't want to do that. And then I was reminded of abstain from all appearance of evil. So I didn't do it. I asked my contractor, I said, that upstairs room there at the house that we're building, could you finish it and let me live up there? And he said, oh, yes. So he finished this area at the upstairs of the house, and I moved in there and live there while they've finished the downstairs. But even church members will say, oh, go ahead and live with him. Go ahead and live with this man you're engaged to. Well, see, I don't do that. I don't think that's right. That's, I think that's wrong. Abstain from all appearance of evil, even the appearance of evil. We're so far from the Bible today in the way of the world and the churches and things that are approved that really when somebody says they're getting married sometimes it's a little hard to rejoice because very often they're already living with the man having sex with him they're already have a child by him I I just can't rejoice in that perhaps you can but I can't my cousin she's no longer living but At the time, um, she lived in Albuquerque, and her neighbors invited her to an outdoor cookout. So she went in her jeans to this cookout, and she told me, she said, oh, she said, I was so embarrassed when I got there. It was actually a wedding, and it was a wedding between two men. And she said, I wasn't dressed properly. I said, I wouldn't have been there. I would have fled when I found out what that was. But my cousin didn't have any... I, I don't even know if she was born again at that time. But I would have just turned and ran out because I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says about homosexuality. Uh, Romans chapter 1. Now, a homosexual could be saved, of course, just like an adulterer or adulteress or a fornicator could be saved. When you're born again... You repent of your sins. You see them as sins and you repent of them. And you go another way. And we accept that. But you can't accept these things of the world that are opposite to Bible. You can't go along with that. If you do, you're going to lose full reward. And you might even be damned, really. I'm not saying I would go out and correct the world. Paul said judge the church, 1 Corinthians 5. You certainly would judge it if it was happening in the congregation. And I have done that. We had a Bible teacher at a church I attended, and he was I found out he was committing fornication. I went to him and said, tell me about this girlfriend. He beat around the bush, went every direction. And then I said to him, now, are you... Having sex with this woman, and he said, Of course. I said, Oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything more to do with you. Paul said, Don't keep company if a man who calls himself a brother is a fornicator. Just don't do it. Put him away from you. But he says, Don't judge the world. We don't go out there and judge the world when they're committing fornication. God will judge the world. We judge the church. We don't put ourselves with that person who calls himself a brother who is committing fornication, adultery. Paul names extortion, drunkenness. This is in 1 Corinthians 5. You don't counsel them. You don't pray for them. You just get away from them. Jimmy Swaggert is a case of that. He was committing fornication with a prostitute. He got caught. Well, then he made a tearful plea to the church. I've sinned. Forgive me. So they wanted to counsel Jimmy Swaggart. That's not what the Bible says to do. It says put them away from you when they do that, if they're called a brother. Just depart from them. Get away from them. You might not be able to put them out of the church group you attend, but you can leave the church group that you're attending if they accept that. We, we don't do it. Paul said a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Put them away. Turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul might be saved in the day of the Lord. I'm quoting from 1 Corinthians 5. I believe that is the way of salvation for those who call themselves a brother and are committing these sins. We say to them, I can't have any more to do with you. Well, this man said, well, I I know, I know, that's okay, that's right, you're right. And I didn't go back to his Bible class again. I was never around him again, in the sense of going to a church meeting. I spoke to him once after that, and he told me that um, fornication was no longer a problem for him. He indicated to me that his flesh had been eaten up. And I think that's exactly what it says in 1 Corinthians 5. Put them away. Turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. And I think that is what we do and the action we must take. These scriptures will be written out for you on our blog Jesus Ministries Exhortations. So if you want to read them you can go there and see all of these scriptures. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.